Hello everyone and welcome along to Northumberland FA podcast from the sidelines with me Gary Middleton and our special guest today uh, John McDonald assistant manager at uh, Dunstan UTSFC in the Northern Premier League and John's a former FA coach mentor as well and what topic today and um, we're going to talk about results over development John thanks very much for coming coming on today thanks for having us Gary appreciate this flattered to uh, to be asked to come on John, um, just for everyone that's listening in, do you just want to uh, explain to everyone, um, in your words, sort of your your involvement in coaching and management over the last 10 years within the Northern League and the Northern Premier League, um, and sort of your journey to get to where you are today, basically? Yeah, um, I mean, I've been involved a long time now, Gary, when I, when I, when I think about it, I'm I remember, you know, 10 years ago, uh, I kind of considered myself to be a, a kind of young, aspiring coach. But, um, I'm, you know, I've been, I, w- I was looking uh, this morning, I've, I've been in and around kind of um, non-league football, if you like, since 2009. Um, kind of started at um, a club called Gosforth Bohemians, who operate in the Northern Alliance League. So that was my first management post, yeah. which is, what, 13 years ago. Um, and from there, I went... Uh, to Seton Delaval in the in the um, in the the Northern Alliance League with alongside Nick Gray had a season there and then we got the job at, at Morpeth Town and we we spent three years at at, at Morpeth Town, um, which was you know at, at that time the, the club were really struggling in the uh, the lower reaches of the Northern League Division Two. We spent three years there and what they were really successful years to be honest. We managed to get the club promoted in our second season. Um, and then in the in the in my first season in, in Northern League One, which was when I think back to kind of 10, 11 years ago, that the league, as you know, was was really strong then. Yeah. Um, obviously, a lot of teams have been promoted in the Northern Premier League, but back then it was really a really really good league, kind of nationally for the level. Um, and we, we consolidated my first season, and then after that, I kind of took the my first kind of Northern League job at West Allotment Celtic, uh, but in in twenty fifteen, um, which was I loved it. It was a really difficult challenge in terms of the financial constraints. It was difficult to compete with the, some of the bigger clubs in, in the Northern League, but the remit was to to stay in the division and were able to do that on, on a limited budget. We had a great facility at at, uh, at Blue Flames. So, you know, I was fortunate to be able to attract players to come and play on that pitch, to be honest. Yeah, I know that yeah. the, the club have moved now, but um, when I look back, that was probably, I would look upon that as my most successful season in terms of mm-hmm retaining division one status in the northern league at that point in time um and then i was offered the job at, at north shields football club and in, in, in 2016 um which i took as green fenton got, got took the job at, at south shields um and I, I spent a year at north shields and it was a really successful season we got the two cup finals and i think we finished third on on goal difference but we're, we kind of led the division for quite a a period of time but um south shields at that point were a real force and they kind of pipped us to the post which was really difficult at the time because i think we'd led we'd been at the top of the division for about six months um the the club decided to go in a different direction which was obviously frustrating for me at the time but um i moved on to buy the fc um in, in northern league two um the chairman had real aspirations to to, to kick on and go through the league and we actually won Northern League 2 at the first attempt 
um, and got into Northern League One and made a real great start. I think after five or six games, we're top of the league. It was myself and Ian Skinner working together and the chairman decided to pull the plug, unfortunately. So those two years, um, I felt we did really well at North Shields and Blythe, but things for whatever reason didn't work out. Um, and thankfully, Nick Gray invited us back to Morpeth Town as assistant manager. So I went back and spent three years as assistant manager, Gary at, at Morpeth. Again, successful. Um, we actually won the Northern Premier League East Division um, comfortably in the end. I think we won the league by about 12 points um, and we won the Senior Cup. So we did the double, which was brilliant. Really successful season. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and then COVID hit and we had two seasons where the first season in the Premier League, I felt like we were, 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 were in a great position to, to get into the, the, the playoff spots. Um, but the 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 um, obviously COVID hit and the, the league came to an end, and then the second season was kind of ravaged by COVID again. And then I got a call from um, from Morpeth saying that Dunstan UDS had approached them asking to, to to speak to me, and um, I just felt it was I wanted to speak to them and uh, spoke to the the chairman uh, Malcolm and. Chris Wales and decided it was a good opportunity to do something different. I think I've, you know, I'd spent six years altogether at Morpeth and I was probably ready for a, a change. So last year was my first season at Dunstan. We finished uh, one space outside the playoffs, which in the end was disappointing because we felt we'd done enough, but we mm -hmm. probably just weren't consistent enough, Gary, to, to get into those playoff spots. So mm -hmm. um, we've made some some good signings in the summer and we're hoping to, we got back to training on Saturday. So um, we're hoping, you know, this season will be the season that we can, we can get the club into the Northern Premier Division, you know, alongside the likes of uh, Morpeth and South Shields. Um, yeah, fa fan fantastic. John, John, you've you've worked alongside two great characters in football, real football, knowledgeable non-league uh, people there, Nicky Gray and, and, and Swales here, where you are, Dunson now. Um, how's how's them partnership work? How's them partnerships worked for you? Uh, as I suppose, developing yourself for your partnerships, but developing the teams as well, because you had some great success with Nicky at at uh, at Morpeth, and, and it looks like you're going on to good things with Dunson with with Swalesey. Yeah, I think to be honest, Gary, I think it's you, you'll know yourself. I think it just comes down to trust. You know, you've got mm. to trust each other, um, and I think you know. With both Nick and, and Chris, um, they're, they're quite happy to kind of delegate, you know, um, some of the coaching to me, which is great because that's what what I enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the both similar in the respect that they both listen. So you know, ultimately, when you're working as an assistant manager, the manager makes the final decision. Um, but I'd like to think that you know you, you never want just to be a yes man. I suppose mm -hmm. you know if you, if you're an assistant manager, you've got to have an opinion. And it, you know, you don't always agree on things, um, but I suppose it's a, a two-way street in terms of you don't, you know, you don't want the manager to fall out with you because you've got a difference of opinion. And likewise, if the manager decides to go with something that you think actually I would have went in a different route, you don't take that personally. So I think it just comes down to communication and um, and trust, you know, both ways. And I'd like to think that you know I've developed good relationships with with Chris and Nick. You know, still yeah. speak to, to Nick regularly. He's obviously at Whitley Bay now. Um, with, with Chris, he's obviously spent a lot of lot of his time in the professional game as a player. 
Um, so that was that was one of the reasons that I, I felt it would it would be good for me in terms of mm -hmm. my development. You know, I'm 45 mm -hmm. now, but I think you know you, you hear it banded around a lot. But I think you've always got to you've always got to have the mindset of you're always learning, and if you can pick up things off different people along the way, Absolutely. I think that's that's John, that's, yeah. that's the main thing. Yeah, John. So, so you've mentioned a lot of successes that you that you had that you've had in your in, in your coaching uh, years. What would you say um, has changed for you as a coach as the games as the games evolved over that period? Well, I think the, the main thing for me, Gary, is and probably the same for 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 everybody really as a as a coach and a as a manager as you develop. Um, and you, you, you're working further up the non-league pyramid, yet you're obviously working with better players. Um, you know, a lot of players who've had experience in the pro game, whether that's, you know, playing in the football league or, you know, through the academy system. So these players have been coached to, to, a, to a good level. Mm -hmm. So I think as you're working with better players, it's you're kind of managing the people sometimes more than, more than the hands-on coaching. And I think, yeah. you know, you've got... Ultimately, when you're working in the part-time game, people, you know, the, the lads have um, they've been to work through the day. So I think what you're delivering, the, the most important thing is that they're, they're going to enjoy it mm -hmm. because, they've, you know, they've been at work all day. So it's got to be a bit of, you know, in terms of delivery of, of sessions and training, um, it, it's got to be, uh, they've got to enjoy it first and foremost. I think you've got to hit that physical corner. Because you know you're training for two or three hours max per week, so you need to hit the physical corner, um, and that you know you need to hit the social corner. If you think the the FA4 corner model, you know you need you need yeah. to do that. So it's got to be what kind of a little bit of what they want. So they'll want to, they want small sided games. You know they'll want to do some shooting and finishing, crossing and finishing. All players want to do that, but you've got to try and drip feed in the things that that you think the team need to to, to make them better on a Saturday. And it's just thinking about clever ways of. Of, of doing that really yeah. so I, I think it's for me the big the, the high that I've found that I've went up the, the leagues if you like is you know the, the calibre of player you're playing with and you, you need to kind of be flexible with your delivery style I think and do you see the demands of the players becoming greater now within that semi semi pro semi professional game their expectations the knowledge yeah. that they want from you, uh, the challenges that you set them. Do you see that all coming out now, John? I do, Gary. You, you can. You, it, that, that's tangible for sure. Certainly, that you know, you, you might be working with a player who's been, you know, at a, a good level of non-league football, but they've been through the academy system, so they've been coached. So they, you know, and they'll, you know, the better players will tell you if things aren't right. And I don't mind that personally, but you can't, you can't. I think I've learned to. Have a, a thicker skin. You can't let that type of stuff offend you. Um, you know you've got to you've got to look at you know feedbacks. It's good and it's it's going to make you better. But I think that the better players want organisation. They want professionalism. And if things aren't right, they're not they're not afraid to tell you. But certainly, I think to answer your question, yeah, expect expectations are definitely higher. <clears throat> Yeah, and, and touching on sort of the, the, the theme around around the podcast, so development over results. Um, do you see that now, you know, that where we've got uh, players striving um, ahead, 
and the team trying to gain results along the way how how do we as coaches because at the end of the day if Malcolm's not getting the results he wants at Dunstan on a weekly basis whether you've developed three four five players who've maybe come into the team as squad players but you've now the work that you're doing with them is is thriving um but you're not getting the results that you need what's the challenge there John is within this game that ultimately is driven by results you're right Gary I mean it's um there's expectations you know there's uh, you know there's a, the, the finances in non-league football now are phenomenal you know so ultimately if you're not um if you're not getting results you'll you'll not you'll not be in a you'll not be in a job very long that that's yeah. a fact unfortunately but I think as somebody who's been involved in coaching for a long time now you know over over 20 years um for me personally I get just as much of a buzz if you if you see something that, that you've worked with uh, with with the group or with an individual player and then you see that in the game situation for me genuinely you get you know you get a buzz from that just as much as you as you get if you, if you were a game three or four nil mm-hmm. um but that's you know that's arguably because I'm you know, I've been through the coach education education system and that 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 kind of thing. That that's why I got into coaching in the first place to try and help players and and, and work with them and improve them. But it is a it is a balance, and I, I suppose one of the other things that I was going to mention earlier, thinking back to my time at at West Allotment or or even before that, ultimately when you you're working with younger players and you're developing them, as you know, other other clubs will come in and take them. You know they'll offer them finances that you can't compete with, so you've got you've got that to contend with. But ultimately, if you see a, a young player that you've worked with who goes on and, and makes a has a good career in non-league, for me that's that's mm-hmm. a success. And hopefully those players will, you, you know, if you, you you bump into them on the kind of non-league circuit, and if you think, well, I've played just a small part in that player's development to to even get them to the, you know, I've worked with some players who have went on back into the professional game and some players who've kind of stepped up the, the pyramid and you just you think if you've been able to help them just one percent that that yeah. for me that's satisfaction but you're right it's it's you can develop all the players and unless you've got an understanding chairman who can yeah. see that actually we're playing the long game here you know and mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna things will come to fruition in a year or two's time but it's it's i suppose it's when you take a job in non-league, you you probably want to think about what the culture is at the club and if you're going to get time. Um, yeah, it would it would be nice if we, as coaches, you've got that long-term development plan as of three, four, five years, um, where you can get a, a squad of players and and really work with them and develop them on. But as you say, players move on for financial reasons clubs sell players on for financial reasons so i suppose any any form of small small short-term bits of development work that we can do with the players and we see that in the later years of their career and and, and just a couple of examples that i, I wrote down today players that i worked with john uh, early in their career glenn taylor who's one of the best non-league strikers in the country it's been more now uh, and andrew johnson who you know, it's now at Morpeth. Uh, young lads, when I had them, uh, and I didn't make them to what they are today, 
but I think that little bit of work over two, three, four years that you, that we've maybe done with them has helped develop them over the years to make them better individuals, more knowledgeable players and, and ultimately more skillful players to, to to play at that level for, for long periods of their career. Um, goes a long way, John, doesn't it? It does, yeah. You get satisfaction out of it, Gary, when you see yeah. somebody doing well and you think you've you've been able to help, just help along the way. I think that's for me, that's success working in the in the part-time non-league game. That's ultimately that's what it's about. You know, winning things and promotions is fantastic. And you can look back and think that, you know, that was a, a great time. But the most I think the most important thing is, you know, just watching players fulfil their potential. And I think sometimes it's just about giving them a platform and an opportunity to go and express themselves and, um, you know, creating the right culture for them. Yeah. Where they, where they feel that they can go and express themselves and be the best they can be. I think that's really important as well. In addition to the, the coaching, it's sometimes just about the, the environment as well. Yeah, John, that, that's, that's a great point. And as coaches that, yeah, the high quality of coaching that we're giving them, and to the level that's going to stretch them and challenge them. But creating that positive environment, that culture that you've just said, where they feel comfortable to go out and, and as you say, express themselves, um, which is ultimately just going to go on and develop them further down the line. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I've, yeah. I've worked with players who have maybe felt inhibited in certain environments and for whatever reason it just hasn't worked and mm-hmm. then you you meet them and it's you know I'd use the term emotional intelligence just try to understand what makes people tick and what they mm-hmm. need um which it sounds a bit of a buzz term but I think if you if you can read situations and just understand what gets the best out of people which I think is something that you develop over time through you know working with lots of different players just trying to tap into what makes them tick and what motivates them you know just if you can tap into that you can really get the best out of people which mm-hmm. arguably is coaching away from the pitch i suppose yeah yeah it's developing that individual isn't it um yeah and i i've just got down here it's surely about patience as well john you know that we we need to be as coaches but also as as club chairmans and executive boards that um you know that were patient with players for them ultimately fulfill their potential because everything can be you know we, we want success from individuals and as a team overnight which ultimately isn't going to happen really is it it's it's going to take a period of time yeah and i think it comes down to what we mentioned earlier just being open and honest with discussions with the people who are running the, the club when he worked in non-league. You know, I, I, again, I, I keep harking back to my time at West Allotment, but I was working with a really young group of players then, you know, and that was, we, we didn't have the, the finances to um, to kind of attract the, the, the kind of better players. So I think there was an understanding that, you know, I was going to have to blood quite a lot of young players. And fortunately, we managed to stay in the league, mm-hmm. but um, I needed, needed to be patient. You know, because yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd kind of gone from uh, the season before working with Mortworth, where we had a real, you know, a real strong squad. And then um, yeah, it, was, it was just a completely different dynamic. So I needed to be patient as a, as a coach and a manager and patience from the club, just to understand that we're, you know, we're trying to build 
you know, mm -hmm. trying to build something to, to, to keep winning the division. Um, but yeah, I, th I think just understanding the the culture of the club or the, the environment that you're going into from the very start, you need to understand if that's right for you. Mm -hmm. That would be my my advice from my kind of lived experiences, just trying to understand what makes the club tick. And if it's not for you, being brave enough to say, appreciate the offer, but yeah. this, this isn't for me. Johnny must have had some good experiences in working with the, the young players that you've, you've mentioned at, at two or three of the clubs where you've been. Um, and it's it's fulfilling to see that two, three, four, five years later or, or more down the line where these players are having success um, and, and you've had some, you know, given support to them for, the, for in, within their development. Yeah, I mean, players like, um, like I would say Dale Pearson, who's he's just went, he's just signed back for, for Morpeth. Yeah. So he's now playing the Northern uh, Premier Division. I think he had a, a short spell at... Um, at Blythe Spartans, and he won the the FA Vars at concert a year or two ago. So I took deal to to West Allotment. I think he was playing in the for for Hazel Rig. He'd scored lots of goals, and I was looking for a goal scorer, and kind of managed to to get deal on board. And I mean, it it he scored goals. He he hit the ground running. But I think it was more about just giving him the opportunity mm -hmm. to to kind of express himself and and play in, in Northern League One and. Um, He's he's went from strength to strength, and he's probably regarded as one of the better the better forward players um, around around the region at the moment. Mm -hmm. So ho hopefully it works out um, at Morpeth for him. So that would be one example, Gary. Um, just just uh, I think you know we didn't have much of the ball that season. It was more about um, just absorbing pressure and playing on the counter attack. So um, I think you know Dale was very quick. So that that. In, in some regards, help them, but um, it was more about just giving them an opportunity and a platform. And that you know, that's one of them, as we alluded to before, where you think, well, you take a bit of satisfaction in that you you give somebody an opportunity, and the, it's down to him. Nothing that I gave him an opportunity, and he he took yeah. it, and he's he's done really well for himself. Um, so that's for me. That's that takes satisfaction from that. Yeah, I think it's a great point, John. That 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 you've said within within that non-league, that semi semi-pro standard that that yeah, you're coaching at the minute. It's it's given players opportunities for them to grasp. So another one that you're working with at the minute, big Scotty, big Craig Scott. Yeah. So again, you know the opportunity at at uh, at West Lockman when he's where he started at the sort of Northern League level, and then. Uh, Followed myself at Ashton. I wouldn't say there was a lot of coaching as such. It was more around the individual, and I think it's it's their learning. Some of the players that we've mentioned here on 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 this chat today, around them taking the initiative and developing from little bits of snippets of information that we give them as coaches, because we're only getting them for an hour and a half twice a week. And your match day on a Saturday, so it's difficult for to give an awful lot of information in them short times. Where, as you say, they've been at work all day, they want to come, get a sweat on, bit crack with the lads, and and get away home to the family. So, yeah, I suppose it's how we as coaches 
give them the, that specific information that's going to help and support the individuals because they're all different. You know, Craig's got different. Uh, Andrew Johnson is an example. Um, yeah. But for them to grasp, take that on for, to, to further them and, and, and make them better players and better individuals as they, as they move on through their career. Yeah, absolutely, Gary. I think you're right. I think it's you've only got a small amount of time, really, in the grand scheme of things. So it's about maximising that. But also, I think things have, you know, in the last 10 years, things have really moved on. You know, you, you know, having a lot of the games in non-league now are, co- you know, are covered, so you can watch highlights and you can get the full game footage and you can you can clip things and you can send things via WhatsApp. You can, you know, there's lots of different co- coaching. I don't think what I've learned, Gary, it's not always um, on the grass. Obviously, that's what we like as, as coaches and having been through the coach education system, that's what we like most. But some players won't respond to that. You know, they don't. You know that they won't respond to the stop start. Um, yeah. You know, interactions, yeah. uh, interventions. Uh, so you've got to find again tapping into the individual. What makes them tick? How can you get your point across? And it might be it might be sending a, a clip via WhatsApp to say, "Hey, just have a look at this." Mm-hmm. I think you need it to be tucked in five or ten yards when the ball's on the opposite side. So just have a think about that. You might get a better response than if you're mm-hmm. on, on, the, on the grass. And yeah, yeah. Ultimately, you're, you're dealing with um, in the senior game. You're obviously dealing with with uh, with adults. So you, you've you've got to be mindful of how best they can they want to take that information on board. So again, just trying to be smart and trying to be clever with how you with how you mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, totally agree, John. John, just. Back to you personally, what would you say that you've done in your coaching to develop and adapt to the modern game during your period as a, as a coach and how that's developed and evolved? I think just going back to my point before about work, as you, as you kind of move up the, the pyramid and you're working with better players, I've had to be able to adapt, you know, because as much as I might want to, to, to turn up and, and deliver a UEFA A license session that going to stop the stop it every three or four minutes the players won't respond to that and they'll tell you and you can tell by their body language they probably don't want to do that so I've had to adapt in terms of how you want to get your information across whether that's just pulling a player one-to-one before the game or after training or speaking them away from the pitch I think I've I've learned that coaching is uh it's 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 really wide-ranging you know, and a lot, of, a lot of time, it, it, coaching is a social interaction. I would say, which sounds a bit textbooky, but if if you if you don't have a relationship with a player or a group of players, they're probably less likely to take on board your, you know, your knowledge of football. So I think the, yeah. the the starting point is you've got to be able to build relationships with people, and if you if you can do that, and it's not in a contrived way, I think I would I would like to think. It's one of the things I'm able to do, whether that's in me, at football or my working life, is build relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Then if you've got that, you've got a good starting point to then understand the players and how they're going to take the information on board. So for me, it's, it is about those real building relationships and emotional intelligence, because if the players don't like you or they don't like your style, that, as I say, they're not going to take on board what you're saying on the, on the training mm-hmm. ground or what you're saying on a match day. So... I've probably just adapted to working, finding different ways of, of working with people and working with players. Um, and hope I would like to think just got 
more skilled in doing that. If I think mm-hmm. back there, you know, I took my first coaching badge at Benwell in 1999, 23 years ago. I would like to think that I've, I'm, I'm obviously more experienced because of the length of time I've been doing it, but just more skilled at understanding people, I think. I would like to think, yeah. Gary, anyway. Yeah. John, I, th- I mean, that that point that you just made there about building relationships, that doesn't change whether you're a coach of the under-sevens or you're a coach of the senior team, does it? You no. know, and, and building that rapport with the players that makes them comfortable when they turn up to a training night or a match day with you is the coach or the, or, the, or the manager. Yeah, totally agree. Totally, regardless of which group you're working with, it's the same. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a like, as I say, social interaction with with other people, and you've you've got to build that relationship. Mm. Um, and if you if you if you're good at that, the, the best coaches that I've seen are, 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 are masters at that. So if if you think of with the kind of um, foundation phase, if you think of somebody like Pete Sturgis, who I've seen coach probably three or four times at different events, an absolute master at building relationships quickly with young people. And as you say, I think the same applies with dealing with with adults. It's no different, really. Yeah. Yeah. John, um, for anyone listening, aspiring coaches, what would be a key messages uh, from your experience of of working in the senior game to support them on their journey? I think it's um, about relationships, which I've just mentioned. I think that's really important. So you need to think about how do you do that? How, how do you build relationships with, with the people that you're coaching? I think you've got to have a balance. So whatever session you're delivering, it's a bit of what do the players want and what do they need? And, you know, and being explicit and communicating that to the players, you know, don't, don't, don't hide it. You know, let them know what you're going to do and why you're doing it. And it might be a case of, I'll give you what you can, you, you, we'll do some small-sided games, but... I'm going to need 10, 15 minutes of your time. It might be well, we're going to work on set plays for 15 minutes, but I'll give you a bit of what you're going to do. Um, of, of, sorry, of, of, what, of what you want as well. Um, and don't, I think the other thing, Gary, is we've, we've, we've all, nobody's perfect. We've all had sessions that just haven't went well. Or play, and I think, you know, as, as you, again, as you, you're working with the better players, they'll tell you. They'll tell you if they think your session's not great. Just don't take it personally. I think, you know, that that kind of whole plan, do, review process is just reflect on it and think about if you're going to deliver that again, how do you do it better? Because I've had some absolute um, shockness and I've had sessions that you think, actually, that was, you know, that felt like it was, everything was in flow and it went really well. The the tempo was great. And then I've had others where you think, "Mm, that didn't work. And you can tell, they'll tell you or you can tell by the player's body language. So don't take it personally. Um, you know, think about have a have a go at it again, and think, yeah, you know, how how can I make that better? Why didn't it work? Ask yourself some questions about it. Don't just hide away and think, well, that was that was that was rubbish because you've probably spent a bit of time, you know, planning it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that 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 model, Gary, which you know I, I know um, is one of the topics on the with the coach, the coach with 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 the uh, grassroots clubs. But I think that basic model is excellent. The plan, yeah. do review. You've yeah. got to, you've got to, I think the other, you've got to get your planning right. And obviously it changes because you might think, well, you know, we're, we're training tomorrow night. Um, I've got 19 players at the moment and I know it's pre-season, but by the time I get there at 6.30 tomorrow, I might have 16. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you've 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 got to be able to adapt to that, haven't you? Mm. You know yes, you know yourself. And I think as you as you get more experienced, those moments when you you feel like you're going to sink because you think, well, I planned for nineteen, you just get better at adapting. Yeah. You know, if I yeah. if I think back 10, 15 years, you get that as you say that moment of horror where you think, oh, everything's going to go downhill here. But you, um, if if you're skilled with your planning, you you're able to adapt quickly. Mm. I've probably rambled on a little bit there, but there's, there's so much there's so much you can talk about, isn't that? Yeah, when you, when you think true. about all the different experiences that you've had, it's uh, yeah. it's uh, it's interesting. But I love it, Gary. You know, I'm twenty, what, twenty two, twenty three years in, and still got loads to learn. As far as you know, fortunately got through my A license about two months ago, but um, still got loads to learn. You know, I still come away and think ah, that was that wasn't great tonight. But you still always want to get better, and I think if you've got that ultimately that mindset that you're learning, you don't know it all because we don't. No. You know, you'll go to events and you think, I thought it was a, a half decent coach, but I'm miles away, and I've just seen this guy coach. Mm. Just having that mindset of believing in yourself, but um, you know, you're always learning and to be be a good. Co- I think you, you, I've heard Neil Winskill say loads of times, good coaches are good, yeah, like a magpie. You know, be a be a, a kind of a, a thief in terms of take take practices and tweak them just to suit your players as well. Yeah, adapting for your for the level that you're coaching at, John. For sure, John. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thanks very much for for sharing your knowledge and experience um, around the development um, of our results uh, at, at non-league level. And we wish you all the luck uh, in the new season at Dunson. Appreciate it, Gary. Thanks for your time. Cheers. Speak to you soon, John. Cheers, Gary.